My cords are all tangled. And we are live. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth podcast. Sorry, I was a couple of days off. You know, I needed to uh, regrain my strength after fighting with these airlines. It's unbelievable the shit they're pulling. We're, we're going to get into that in a second before I start putting people on blast, before I start getting all worked up. I would like to say, thank the Top Lobster family for inviting Summer Porch to into their home, curing my AIDS, cooking us some gator. Man, we had a good old time out there with the Tower Fire Pod, and that will be probably the second half of this podcast or i'll put it out independently uh it was a ton of fun show for the live shows because i'm not great at setting up sound equipment when there's an audience there screaming are you gonna start the show already i'm gonna wait for the show anymore i brought my lawn chair i brought, brought, brought my whole family and you're just gonna make me watch you set up that's what people yell at you at these events and i try and be like my god have i really cultivated an audience of people that all sound and yell exactly like me and apparently i have you know, sometimes you don't want to meet your people, except everyone was actually very lovely. And uh, thank you to Top Lamps, Lo Top Lobster, and uh, all right, we're we're gonna get into the show. I'm not I'm not gonna just do a whole episode of plugs. That would be craziness. Uh, but the California show, the LA Extravaganza, is turning out to really be something. Uh, so that's gonna be at uh, Brian from uh, Lines of Liberty. Uh, that's coming up. That's two weeks out. And uh, Stephen, our resident non-scientist, you wouldn't believe. The stuff he's figured out in regards to COVID. He actually knows how to cure other people that got AIDS because they took the vaccine. That's how good of a scientist, non-scientist that Steven is. No, I mean, we've done some real muck cracking. We're digging through these reports to show up. We're going to be doing a live stand-up show. Me and Brian are going to be podcasting. We got Steven. He's going to be showing up. He's going to be giving a whole presentation. And uh, I don't know, maybe other things will happen. All right, let's get into news. I've been away for a couple of days uh, and there are some news topics I would like to cover. Uh, but before we get into real news topics, I did have to fly. I did have to deal with Delta. Usually Delta is pretty good. This time they're a bunch of fucking douchebags. And so, uh, first topic of the day is the airplane scandal feeding you bad cookies. Can we return to a time when cookies are something that you look forward to? I mean, here they are. They're coming down the aisleway. They're waking you up. They're going, we know that you haven't slept in a couple days, but here, I got a snack cart. Even though this plane's only three hours and you only slept one hour last night and you're trying to catch three hours of rest so that when you show up to JFK two days later than expected and there's nothing but traffic because we took away your flights that you had booked, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm trying to talk about the cookies. I'm not trying to talk about what Delta did to me while well, I was just trying to adventure uh, home after days of doing gigs. But what's with the pissed off cookies? You guys fans? I'll take a cookie poll. I feel like during, dude, when I was, uh, when I was quarantining by my parents' house and I'm eating, I'm drinking late at night and I'm trying to find snacks. I mean, I was, I, I, I went through my, my, my mother's cabinets, like a rodent. And I found those bust off cookies and I never had no bust off cookies. And then in that instance, I was in love with the Bissed Off cookies. And she even had the cookie butter. So I saw that and the cookie butter. I think I ate the whole pack of it. I was like sandwiching the cookie butter with the Bissed Offs. That was a good old time. But now when I get on planes, firstly, the cookie's all crumbly. Doesn't even make sense. Doesn't it? You, you, you want crumbs all over this airplane? And then and then the thing tastes like it's already, like it's like an overburnt tea cookie. What are, what are the Bissed Off people doing? Are they giving like, do they have an airline deal where they're giving the airplanes free cookies? They're trying to get us all hooked on their Bissed Offs. Can we get some cookie variety here? And how is it that, it, well, what's the collusion amongst every single airline? Did every single airline realize like, hey, you know, that airline's got the Bissed Off cookies. So we're, we're going to need the Bissed Off cookies. Otherwise, everyone's going to be flying JetBlue. We can't have everyone flying JetBlue. It's like they're all, like, that's how deep the level of collusions go between these airlines. That they're all in on the Bissed Offs. Or what, what, or what do the Bissed Offs have on all the airlines that all the airlines like secured some lifelong cookie contract with these people. Uh, also, I want I want to start a new podcast. I'm going to need a U.S. senator to to join me in this podcast because uh, I'm going to point now. I'm I'm thinking I've learned my lesson about advanced planning. You know, I'm at home. I'm taking Adderall. I'm trying to figure out flights and dates. There's a lot of variables here. What flight can I afford? What flight's got an aisle seat? Well, where uh, which airline has both good and flights out? How do I avoid New York City traffic times without having to wake up at five in the morning? Flying in at night. I like flying at night 
because, you know, your, your day's over, like 7 or 8 p.m., you have a drink on the flight, you get home, you drive home, you take a drink, you wake up the next day, you didn't ruin a whole day. Because any other circumstance, you're going to have to deal with something on that flight that's going to ruin your day. And then you want to drink, but, like, you can't be drinking when you're flying in the morning. That doesn't make sense. Uh, dude, I had, like, this overly uh, Italian guy sitting next to me in the middle seat. Probably never been on an airplane this whole, like, he kept, he kept like, talking to me like I was his friend, but at the same time trying to sit in my seat. I mean, the way the, the aggressiveness of the way that this guy took over the armrest and then he would get testy with his leg. He was like putting his leg into my area where I was like, all right, I guess we're cuddling now. I guess you and I were sitting there leg to leg. I'll, I'll, I'll do gay chicken with you. You're not taking over the space. It was almost World War Three between me and some some guinea on a, on a plane. Are you allowed to use that word? I don't know. So anyways, and but but then he would turn to me like we're friends, like, hey, they can't give out no fucking soda on these planes no more. These fucking Delta guys go all cheap. You ain't got no, they, they ain't giving you no sodas. And then I, uh, I love this. When he got off the plane, he called his friend. Cause every time you get off a plane, it takes, it takes time to unload, but he, he couldn't play all these fucking people with the bag. He can't even get the bags off. I don't know that he's quite, he, he pretty much sounded like that. That guy sucked. But then I was like, Oh my God, I found someone that's worse on an airplane to sit next to than me. Because I, I've, I've said before, I'm a fidgety flyer. I'm taking out my headphones. I'm putting my headphones back in. I think my bag makes sense over there. Then I think it makes sense over here. Then I decide I want to do some work. I take out my laptop. I decide I don't really want to do some work. I put back away my laptop. I start fidgeting with the television. I go, you know what? I'm going to go use the bathroom. Then I come back from the bathroom. I'm not great. So on this particular fight, I was sitting next to this, uh, uh, this Italian fellow, and he was pretty bad. But then I retook the crown of worst person to sit next to on a flight because on my next flight, I'm sitting next to some dude. And you ever sit next to a dude and you're like, this is how you're successful in life. Before boarding, he's working on a spreadsheet. After boarding, he's back in the spreadsheet. I He did more work in, in, in the hour I sat next to him than I can do in an entire month. And you're just like learning a lesson in, oh, this is how people are successful in life. If I had this level of focus, like the things that I could accomplish, it was, it was like... Uh, an incredible sight to be seen. But anyway, so I fall asleep sitting next to this guy. And when I woke up, I mean, I was staring into his eyes like he was my girlfriend. And I was just breathing into his face. Like, I, I've never had, I've never seen anyone do that on a plane. Where I guess I, I basically just fell asleep on my side. And so I'm just like looking at him with like tender eyes. Like, <sighs> pissed off cookie breath. <sighs> I can't believe the guy didn't wake me up. I can't believe the guy just let me breathe into his face while he worked on his spreadsheets. Maybe he was into it. Maybe that guy liked my breath. He was hoping that I would wake up and just start uh, start making out with him or something. Anyways, here's the show that I want to start. Uh, I'm ripping it off from the Big Lebowski. It's called This Aggression Will Not Stand, man. And we're going to do consumer advocacy. And it, it, I need a U.S. senator who will do this show with me. Here's the pitch to you. If you're a U.S. senator, so firstly, you're going to get tremendous brownie points with the people because you're doing consumer advocacy. You're actually standing up to them against the optimums, the, uh, the, the the airlines, these people that have no respect or care for our human dignity. And so we're going to go onto the internet. We're going to get hundreds of thousands of viewers and we're going to attack all these companies in a very public forum. And we're going to take calls from people, learn about how airlines and other things have ruined their lives. And then we're going to try and get those CEOs on the phone to find out why they didn't have the respect for their customers to at least address their complaints. We're going to hold everybody accountable and then here's what's great about it. So you're going to look really, really good because you're actually doing consumer advocacy in a very public format. And you're going to be uh, holding these evil corporations uh, accountable. That's going to make you really look good when you're campaigning and stuff. And then I'll produce the show, right? I'll actually, you know, plan it out, get all the callers, get all the sponsor dollars. And now I'm going to keep all the sponsor dollars for now. But then when you retire from the Senate, you're not going to have to be in bed with, uh, with big banks, with big pharmas. You're actually going to be able to be totally even Stevens freedoms because you're going to see all the money that I'm making off of your name and your labor. And then when you retire, well, then you, you, I mean, it will be all be your money. Not that you're going to get the money back. I can't hold that for you. That would be illegal. But then you already got your job lined up when you leave office. How's that for a pitch? You'll probably stay in office for longer. You can do good work. And then you got a job for when you leave office so that you don't have to, you know, take all the money from the evil corporations that uh, will convince people to take pharmaceutical products that don't work for them or to go fight wars uh, that aren't in our interest. Wouldn't that be nice? You can have your freedom back to actually just, I don't know, what legislate or do whatever senators are uh, are supposed to be doing. So here's what Delta did to me. This is unbelievable. 
I had a flight Sunday night. They just cancel it. They just go, hey, we're not going to do that flight anymore. They don't give you any reasons. The weather's nice. I'm looking at the weather. There's no weather problems. At least make up a good lie. Tell me there's some dragon flying around in the space and, and it's attacking airplanes so it's not safe to fly. You know, don't tell me that you fired so many pilots that there's so many vaccine injuries from pilots that you can't, you, all of a sudden, you, you can't just have the planes that you're supposed to be having. Now they're flying super jets. They basically got those military super jets where instead of you taking, you know, your small flight, they just put all these flights online. They realize they don't have any pilots to fly it. So then they just cancel all the flights. They shuttle you into Atlanta and they put you on some super jet. And then you get home a full two days later. Do they pay you? For all the all the all the extra meals you're in on the road, your extra night in hotels. But here's my thought: I'm just like I, I don't think I'm gonna plan anymore because I'm over here. I'm not a good planner, anyways. I prefer doing things last minute. And the only reason you become an adult and you stop doing last minutes is because sometimes you end up in a situation where there is no hotel, or uh, or you can't find a flight, or your flights are too expensive. But now what I'm finding is every time I look last minute, like prices are even better because you were last minute. They're actually. Uh, they're actually seem to be punishing the planners and helping the, the procrastinators because if you're last minute, it's like things are, I, I never, I'm never in a town and there isn't a single hotel room. I never see that. I never see that much of a discount for having booked in advance. And then when it comes to flights, when I'm looking at them day of, they don't seem to be any more expensive. So what am I doing at home trying to plan out these entire trips, every single logistics that it all makes sense for them to just be stuck in a plan in a town for an extra day. I could have bought myself a nicer ticket day of on a different airline. So that's it. I think that's my new thing. I'm not planning anymore. And so, you know, buy tickets to my gigs at your own risk because th th there will be no, no, I'm going to I'll fly into the town sooner, but be stuck there for longer. So why would I talk negative about the gigs that I'm promoting? Show up for uh show up for California. And then also Connecticut BK Chris is headlining on my, my show, my, my show on my friend's show Alex, uh, I always forget his last name. It's like Talamasi, Tomalasi, Tomalama Lama. I don't know. There's too many letters in there. So you, you should fix his last name so I can get it right. Uh, anyways, you can follow him on Instagram. His name is Silly Selly. He's putting together a show. BK Chris is headlining. I am on that thing. It's in Connecticut and Middletown. Come hang out for that. And then the big one's California. And then also Childerberg, which is going to be a fucking blast out in the woods. Hopefully some fans show up with mushrooms again. And we're going to do a ceremony to, to, to free the world from Fauci. But you're going to have to show up for that one. All right. What else did I have on my uh, my news topics? This has been mostly nonsense so far. I got other things on my sheet here. Um, how we can heal the nation with segregation, separating the sheep stolen mass from the non-government masochists. I couldn't believe when I was in the airport how many people are willing, willing to just subjugate them to government nonsense that they so, oh, daddy, punish me. Oh, I like having, they like having a feeling of that there's a big government upon them. And as long as they listen to every directive, they're a moral human being. And the more pain they are by the instructions of government, the more moral they can feel. It's a, it's like a masochist. They just love it. They love being spanked around, called a loser, having government spit in their mouths. It just makes them feel better about the life that they're living. And so here, people like that, I feel like that's the good dividing line. You know, let's just, let's, let, let's, let's have full separation. Let's make that the dividing line. Can you think of a better dividing line? of, you know, the groups of people in this country of who can and can't get along. Like if you're still wearing a mask, you probably like killing babies. Uh, you probably think, you know, Biden was our best option that Russia is still, you know, peeing on Donald Trump, uh, that, you know, government should be spending more money. Kids should be, uh, um, getting, uh, gender swaps while they're in school. Uh, you do it early because it's easier, and then maybe they grow out of it. They get their parts changed back. Uh, I, I don't know what else, what other core beliefs these people hold on to. Oh, yeah, the climate. The climate's changing before our very eyes, and if we don't immediately intervene. So let's just separate. It's a really good marker. The people that want to self-subjugate themselves to government nonsense so that they can feel better because they are mentally ill. So those people can have some states. The rest of us can have other states. And then everyone can be happy. Those guys can do as many ESG score investments and live in poverty and destitution while, you know, Biden marches us towards nuclear war and starvation from lack of supplies. And then the rest of us will live pretty good. We'll we'll make nonsense jokes. We'll call each other a bunch of queefs. And they'll be like, hey, that's offensive. You can't use that language. And we'll be like, yeah, well, at least we're not starving to death. And I feel like uh, find me a better dividing line than that for fixing the country. All right, what else do I have on my list on topic? Um, 
why God doesn't mind abortions, but would prefer more of a ritual baby slaughter to pills and vacuums. All right, we're going to be covering that one later. Uh, are the scientists behind the COVID-19 uh, release working on getting us raped by aliens? That one, that one's a real one. I know you think sometimes these are just total nonsense. That one's a real one. I'm going to be covering that story shortly. How to not lose an entire workday watching the trial of two wealthy actors you don't give a shit about. Has that happened to anybody else? You're out here, you're trying to lose, read the news, and then you see some uh, some headline about the Amber Herds and the Johnny Depps. I don't really care about either of them. I mean, Johnny, like, sure, the first Pirates of the Caribbean was cool. Other than that, I don't know. What was, what was the last really great Johnny Depp movie? I, I don't really care. I don't care if Johnny Depp's never in another movie. I don't care if Amber Heard. I didn't know who Amber Heard was. I don't care about some Amber Heard's. I don't care about these people's personal life. And yet, for some reason, I'm watching all this stuff like it's the most interesting thing in the entire world. I mean, talk about just like you're out here trying to read the news. You see some Amber Heard headline, and then you click on it, and then they give you some sensational, like uh, some sensational, like the the moment that Johnny Depp got the other lawyer to cry mercy and then they gave up the entire case and handed him the briefcase of cash and then you watch a half hour of johnny depp uh with this slow fucking fake british voice who someone else made that joke i'm still on the fact that he's got the fake british voice from somebody else who already uh you know made that comment but anyways he's sitting there and he's stuttering he's muttering and 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 then and you almost don't want to root for him but then you see amber heard and you're like, I'm pretty sure that this lady's lying. And then all of a sudden, you're invested in this storyline. And you're doing seven hours of watching things. And you're like, oh, you know what? I'm going to become a body language expert, too. And you're watching these body language things. Uh, so you know how you do you, you avoid it? I, our experts later in the show, because we've got our ADD expert panel. And they're going to come through uh, with the advice for how you can avoid such things. What else I got on my list of topics for today? Will Trump bankrupt his own media empire and admit that he's a loser that can't do anything cool just so that he can tweet again. This is kind of the golden trap. If Donald Trump wants to run for president again, which I believe he does, there's no way he can do it without Twitter. He's going to need Twitter. But he also left office and created this media empire called Truth Social, which even he doesn't use it. It's like a you can't handle the truth type operation. He's not he, he, he's bored with it. It's not as exciting as Twitter was. He doesn't get the responses or the coverage from the media. Uh, firstly, all right, I'm calling it Trump's Trump's first tweet back. It would be the best if he just tweeted Nancy Nancy Pelosi's a slut. Okay, he's not going to do that. He's going to go. He should make his uh um his, his his title instead of Donald Trump. It should just be the real president. And then his first tweet, I totally win. Okay, and if and if they let me win, we wouldn't have all the the high prices. I I like low prices. If you put me in, prices would be so low right now, okay? You could be throwing a party every weekend. We're talking like Walmart's doing a sale, though, okay? I'm talking about prices so low that you could probably afford a second wife, okay? You could you could afford that divorce. You could, you could like, get away from that woman that you hate. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that one. All right, what other topics are we getting into today? Uh, are Democrats looking at student loan forgiveness as a new way to enslave student loan borrowers. It's a fun one that basically every single conversation I hear about these student loan debts is, hey, we got to let these kids off because they don't want to go buy homes and we got no other way to bail out the baby boomers and stimulate the economy. We frightened kids from further indebting and enslaving themselves into the system. And so clearly we're going to have to bail them out from that debt. So then they get back into the casino and they go, oh, look, I can just take on as much debt as I want. And then they'll become even more indebted and even more enslaved to the system. Because the problem is these kids are just not paying off their student debt. They're removing themselves. They're just going, fuck you. I don't care that I owe no money. I just won't live a life. I just won't get married. I just won't have kids. And 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 the government's like, we can't have people just opting out of the system like this. We can't have people just going, I'm going to live at home and do drugs. We need people that are going to go out there, work hard make us tax dollars and then be enslaved to the systems that they have to work for their entire lives and realize that none of it even made them happy. They had no investment in an afterlife and then they die. That's what we needed. And so we can't have people who are waking up to the fact that we didn't do them any favors by putting them into debt. Their education didn't do them any good. So we got to, we got to get some more free money into the system so that these guys go back there. They start consuming again. We prop up home prices and then the baby boomers can die with having, you know, siphoned all of the wealth of the universe out with them 
and you know, just hopefully you had a grandfather who had some money, uh, and that they don't distribute old wealth so that when the bread lines return, you might be able to at least get a fast pass on it. Uh, all right. And then lastly, can president Biden taste our feelings? Did he accidentally admit to being a demon creature who is fooled, fueled by consuming human misery? And so he purposely makes everyone more stressed out so that he can have more intense flavors while eating our emotions. And now we can actually start the show. That was just the intro to the show. I know that was like, uh, you're like thinking, oh my God, was that the whole podcast? No, we haven't even started the podcast. That was just the, the preliminary ideas that we're going to be exploring later on. You know how much more time we're going to be spending talking about pissed off cookies? You think those were all my pissed off cookies thoughts? I got so many more thoughts about these flaky, crappy cookies. All right, let's take a couple comments. Kelly Kalisa, the level of collusion with these airlines, corps, and politicians goes far deeper than just pissed off cookies, unfortunately. Fair enough. Uh, although, obviously, you know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that, so I appreciate you pointing it out for me. All right, what else we got here? Uh, oh, yeah, I was talking about uh, that you got scientists. They worked in labs. They came up with coronaviruses. They send them out here. They collude with the China so that they can pretend like we're all going to die of a virus, shut down our government, ruin supply lines, make big pharma rich. And we got to put an end to all science because, you know, they keep pretending like they're helping us. But these scientists, they're working on nutty shit. You even got the that smart guy beep, beeping in wheelchairs. And, you know, he's using all those beeping powers to let us know, don't make broadcast to space. He goes, don't you broadcast to space. You're letting more intelligent things know that we exist, that they can come here and steal our resources. Because you know what we've done to every single species on the on our planet? We've stolen the resources. We eat the cows. Uh, we kill the chickens. Uh, we farm the grass. You know, that's what we do because that's what we want to do to survive. And you think a more intelligent creature is not going to come here and do the same thing? You think they're just going to come down here and go, oh, yeah, we can cure and 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 just, you know, solve all your problems for you. He goes, you're mistaken. That's not the way it's going to play out. And so not only do you have scientists blasting, you know, all sorts of shit into space, you got these particular scientists. Here's the headline. NASA wants to send nudes to space in order to attract aliens. Well, you trying to get us raped? Send math up to space. If there's any chance of attracting the smart aliens that maybe just want to come out here, nerd out with us and solve some problems, just uh, start sending up like puzzles and math and, and physics. You send up nudes, you're going to end up with these fucking frat boy, homeboy aliens who go, hey, look, there should be a big sign up in space that just says, there are no holes on this planet. Uh, organs, and then it should be a big arrow going, organs and buttholes that way. And then it points to like Mars, and then they show up, and I, I, I don't really, you know, and they're like, there's nothing even fucking on this planet. And they go, I think that Earth planet tricked us. And then they show up even madder, but then we've got another sign that says uh, GPS directions to the planet with buttholes that you can rape that way. And then it goes really deep into the universe. But these people, they've got supersonic ships, so like they can get there really fast. And then by then, they show up to some planet, they get bored, and they go to other places. And here it is. Here's, here's the drawings that they're setting up to space, letting them know what humans look like, our DNA patterns, waving, just going, hi, can you take my organs and rape my butthole? Just, uh, hey, welcome to Earth. We've got We've got holes for your alien dicks. And organs that you, that you guys can eat and resources that you can steal. Uh, Porch Tour is in session. I feel like I've already plugged this. I was planning on plugging it now. I plugged it earlier. Uh, and I got dates. I, I just have to sit down, except I don't want to plan anymore. But I, I got to put up the Eventbrite links for you, and I'll just won't book flights. And then it'll be easier for me to put the Eventbrites up, because now I don't have to plan as much. I just, day of, show up to an airport. Do they have one line for people that won't plan? Like a not planning section where you just go, hi, like old school, you know, like showing up. Hi, can I buy a ticket? And or can you walk up to every single airport counter and then have a conversation? That's how you take your power back. You show up with the suit, briefcase, suspenders, slap down the briefcase and go, all right, I'm here to negotiate a ticket price. You give me the best thing you want or I'm going to go wait in that line over there. And then, you know, maybe maybe the maybe they know that you mean business. And they start actually uh, giving you good prices because I, I doubt they're going to stand there right in front of you and go, I get you on this flight for $200, but in about 10 minutes, we're going to cancel it. And then you're going to have to take that same plane tomorrow. Uh, and we won't be giving you any money for your room or for the fact that it's going to be a longer, more annoying flight. All right. Here we go. Biden, our noble leader. You know, inflation might be getting out of control. We might have be having issues with supply lines, uh, with the fact that Putin's dying and he might want to, you know, 
let's send at least one nuclear missile before he before he dies. If new if he was going to nuke one thing, what do you think it would be? Washington, uh, Ukraine's. I mean, if the guy's on the verge of death, just you know, spent his whole life never nuked nothing. He's like, I've been a world leader for too long to not at least nuke something. You know, it's something. So like, I just a, like a, a mini a mini nuke. Uh, maybe just Antarctica. Just uh, maybe if you nuked Antarctica, you'd end up uh, dissolving too much ice and then we would all die. I don't know how these things work. How do even villains uh, make their declarations in Dr. Evil like fashions? Anyways, let's listen to Biden, uh, because at least we've got a leader and leaders. They can handle things like inflation. So let's let's see what he's got planned for us. I know you got to be frustrated. I know I can taste it. Frustrated by high prices, by I gotta pull that back. Look, I know you gotta be frustrated. I know I can taste it. Frustrated by high prices, by gridlock in Congress, by the time it takes to get anything done. Believe me, I understand the frustration. But the fact is, congressional Republicans, not all of them, but the mega Republicans are. Counting on you to be as frustrated by the pace of progress, which they have everything, they've done everything they can to slow down, that you're going to, will hand power over to them and enact so they can enact their extreme agenda. Look at their agenda. We'll put up on a webpage somewhere, I think I can do this, the Scott plan is in writing. We need a government. The guy doesn't know. Uh, not only can he, he, he's capable of solving inflation, but he's not sure if he can get information up on a website. Also, what kind of acid thing is that where he can taste our feelings? I can, I can taste your misery. It's a little salty. Government focused on what families actually need. So I urge all Americans to think about the path I've laid forward. We're going to have to do more beyond what I laid forward. But then think about the Republicans in Congress are actually proposing. Which path is right for you and for your family and, quite frankly, for America? Let's build on the extraordinary process and progress we've made instead of tearing it down. Let's focus on what matters. It really matters to average Americans. All right, so we got him stuttering, mumbling, not making a whole lot of sense. Did I watch the entire 22 minutes? No, because how can you possibly make your way through 22 minutes of that without being more confused? So the big criticism everyone's saying is that he's just trying to blame the Republicans. He's taking no responsibility. He doesn't truly have a plan for how to deal with this inflation that even he's willing to admit this, this is the important stuff. This is the thing that people care about. So this, I thought, was the best response from the Republicans. I enjoyed it. So I will play it for you. It's from Rick Scott. In Joe Biden's economy, we have 8.5% inflation, which is a 40-year high. We've got the highest gas prices in the history of the country. We've got a labor participation rate that's low. We've got inflation that's going way faster than wage growth. We've got a GDP that's declining. Now we've got mortgage rates they're significantly up just in just this year. Joe Biden gave a talk this morning, blamed everybody else on inflation. He took no responsibility and has no plan. I think what all Floridians know is this president has no ability to deal with inflation. In the private sector, when you have a CEO that doesn't have the ability to deal with something, they resign. They go on, do something else. Joe Biden ought to do the exact same thing. And that's the only way we're ever going to get inflation under control in this country. I like that. I like that argument. You want to be in charge and you're saying you don't got no solutions. Well, then maybe you should hand it over to somebody that can. I uh, I appreciated that. And then here we've got a couple more videos I'm going to play for you guys. Recent stuff. I did my homework. All right. Let's talk about ESG scores. And then we're going to close out the episode. And then uh, you guys can check out the live one from Lady Lake, which might be its own release. Uh, I haven't decided yet. But here we go. S&P hits U.S. states with politicized credit scores. This is an opinion piece from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, the rating agency seeks to penalize fossil fuel producers. Its ESG push is unlikely to end there. 
Here's a couple paragraphs I want to highlight from this article. The minds behind SMP's ESG metrics seem to be to believe that a transition to green energy is inevitable and therefore punish states that produce traditional energy for climate transition risk. But no one really knows what this climate transition will look like. There are no widely accepted economically viable alternatives to fossil fuels in the market. No one knows where they will come from and what they'll be or when they'll arrive. ESG metrics falsely certainty make ESG metrics false certainty about future events and consequent inability to keep with anticipated current events causes capital to be misallocated. They create bubbles in favored industries while starving others that could be profitable. The solutions to our most difficult challenges, such as climate change, can come only through innovation. Foisting rigid ESG factors onto the market discourages innovation by mandating conformity, penalizing creativity, and punishing the industry with the greatest incentive to find alternatives, the energy sector. Fracking has reduced U.S. carbon emissions immensely, but it could cost you under S&P's ESG metrics. So here you have ESG rating scores even coming to estates near you. Even your local state government is not going to get away from the big banks who are trying to push a socialist movement to ensure that they've got control over critical assets while this economy falls apart. And so on that note, I've got another video of uh, Janet Yellen basically talking. She doesn't use the word ESG, but she's talking about the exact same agenda. She's talking about the exact same racket. And so first they start off, I don't agree with the senator because they're talking about uh, stable coins. And it could be, by the way, I saw an article today. Someone told me about this a while ago. Don't fail me now, internet. It could be these stable coins are going to unwind my entire Bitcoin investment. Bitcoin, not looking great right now. Here's the issue with uh, with Bitcoin. All of us would like to go, all right, this is the inflation protection. This is the safe asset, the real currency. And so as everything else goes to shit, everyone realizes that Bitcoin's better. And so I'm going to be able to make more money. And I agree with that. I love the idea. Uh, I have most of or a large amount of my savings in Bitcoin, which is not because I put all my money in there. But I uh, also fucking internet. This is why I need a center on my team with my new show. This aggression will not stand, man. Uh, okay, what was I trying to talk about? I was trying to talk about. I know we were in the framework of ESG, but I was saying something specific. Mm, I don't remember. Man, man, my uh, space cadet. All right, let's watch this video. Oh, yeah, I was trying to talk about uh, about Bitcoins. Um, yeah, so it seems like there, you got a lot of people who are just like investing wildly because everything's going up. They got house money, so they don't mind risky assets. And maybe that's just mainstream media spin. Where If we freeze again, I might I might stop and uh, restart the stream. But anyways, so you got these uh, ESG scores. I wasn't talking ESG. I was trying to talk Bitcoin. You got all, and maybe it's the mainstream media spin, where the mainstream media is trying to uh, declare it to be a risky asset. But it does seem that as people are starting to pull back their investments a little bit, or they see opportunities for yield, they're pulling out of Bitcoin. So it's coming down. You know, people uh, all of a sudden, they got to start uh, making accommodations for the fact that their their stocks are coming down. I'm really kind of talking out of my ass because this was the, the real point that I wanted to make that someone had warned me about a while ago and I ignored it, but that you've got all these phony cryptos. You got these phony stable coins and they've leveraged up some of their Bitcoins with their, it's all a fucking thing. And so as some of these weaker players uh, start folding because they're a big old scam, it will affect at least in the uh, short term uh, BTC. And I was seeing an article today uh, with one of these stable coins. Anyways, that's a fucking tangent of things. I, I, you know, I spoke about a lot of things that I know a lot about that I don't know that much about. So let's go back to this other thing that I know more about, which is that government wants to regulate stable coins. You know why? Because you're not supposed to be able to just open up a bank. Think about it. Stable coin is someone telling you that you put your dollar in and it's going to remain a U.S. dollar no matter what. So obviously there's a digital transfer there, but you're essentially creating a credit. You're creating, you know, you're making a deposit. Uh, and so that's a like it, it's, it's essentially functioning like a digital bank. And so if all of a sudden you got a digital bank here, well, that sounds like competition for the banking industry. And now, obviously, 
you as a consumer, you should be allowed to make the choice of, hey, I prefer the risk of my stable coin on the internet for whatever reason you prefer to have the stable coin. Maybe they're paying you some interest to compensate you for the risk that it's not federally backed. Or maybe it's that uh, there are transactions that you're able to do with this uh, with this stable coin. Like you're more easily to buy NFTs you don't need or do online gambling. There could be all sorts of stupid shit that you want to do with this, but God bless, man. It's fucking free. It's supposed to be a free country. If you prefer to have your money in a stable coin versus a U.S. bank and, and you end up getting shafted by the stable coin, no one told you a stable coin was a good idea. No one told you it was necessary. You, you knew your risk. You decided to do it. The last thing we need is the United States government getting involved and going, we can't have this threatening the integrity of our financial system. You know what that is? That's just talk of fucking big banks going, we don't want no competition. We, uh, we want everybody working together buying pissed off cookies, living in a world where if anyone fucks up, the Fed's going to bail us out. And so here, I mean, that was the talk about the stable coins, which is less interesting than I want to play what Janet Yellen has to say about global warming and essentially ESG. Let's give it a listen. Free to work with me and my colleagues who are interested in getting something done. Do you think we could shoot for a goal of getting legislation done this year? I, I think it would be highly appropriate. Um, the outstanding stock of stable coins is growing um, at, a, at a very rapid rate, and we really need a consistent federal framework. I really look forward to working with you and um, members of Congress to um, devise legislation that would accomplish that. Great. Thank you. Uh, let me move on to um, the FSOC's focus on climate change. You spoke uh, at some length about climate change during your opening remarks. And I've observed that I think seven of the recent 10 meetings have been about climate change. So do you uh, subscribe to what I think is the administration's general paradigm for this, that the risk to the financial system comes in two categories, one physical risk associated with severe weather events and the other transition risk that's associated with an evolution away from fossil fuels. Is that, do you subscribe to that paradigm or do you think there's another category of risks? I would agree with you that those are the main risks. Okay, so I, can you name a single financial institution in America that has failed as a result of a severe weather event in the last 50 years? I'm not, I'm not aware of... Um, so I, I don't think there that, has but, been one. And every single year we have blizzards, we have hurricanes, we have wildfires, and sometimes they're horrendous. Um, and some of them have been recent. But we've never had a single financial institution fail, much less the entire financial system. So I think it's pretty clear. And actually, I think Chairman Powell acknowledged there's really no physical risk that's even remotely imminent. So then that brings us to the transition risk. Well, I suspect that over time, we're going to have a transition away from fossil fuels to other forms of energy. It certainly looks like that's going to take quite a while. I don't see how that's much different from the fact that consumer preferences change in all kinds of products and services. So I guess I would urge you to consider that risks like cybersecurity, I mean, I would think you would acknowledge cybersecurity poses a much more imminent risk to financial institutions and our financial system than either physical risk from severe weather or climate change in general, right? Well, I think both um, create risks. But, but I said more imminent. Is, is cybersecurity more imminent risk? Cybersecurity is certainly an imminent risk. It's one that the council is very focused on. The Treasury Department has special responsibilities. I, I understand, but all right, so just to pause for one second, you, you, you noticing that she won't say more imminent? The reason being that they're trying to prioritize that if we don't solve the global warming thing, the financial systems are going to collapse. And he's trying to say, well, if we're going to focus, if we're actually going to put work into shoring up the financial systems, aren't there bigger risk factors than that? But since she's so married to having to push global warming, which we'll see in a second how that ties into the ESG score stuff, uh, she can't admit it. She's unable to say that it's more. Let's continue. More of a threat, just to be clear. You, you're choosing not to acknowledge that cybersecurity is a more imminent risk than climate risk. And I think that's 
kind of surprising because it's so obvious to most people. Cybersecurity is a, a, a real-time, continuous risk to every single financial institution in America. There's constant bombardments of attacks, and if one major one gets through, it could be devastating. Climate change does not pose that kind of imminent risk. I think climate change is an existential threat um, to, to our globe and to our future. You can see that countries, it, it is a long-term risk, but it is becoming notably more severe. And you can see a growing number of countries. All right, let's just pause there for one second. I, I mean, I, go watch the end of your Misinformation Spectacular. You can learn where I cover global warming. I, I mostly, I, I don't want to go too into global warming. I, I mostly just don't agree with this. I, I, the worst thing that could possibly happen for global warming is for government to get involved and shut down the economy. You know what's the scarier of the two things? It's government getting involved and shutting down the economy. Now, am I saying that there's no degree of global warming? I'm not making that claim. It's more nuanced on that. I just don't think that the planet's going to end because of our carbon usage. And I think our carbon usage actually will solve the problem. What do you mean that burning the carbon is going to solve the problem? I mean that if we continue to grow, then technology, new technology will be discovered that will solve the problem. If it's an, actually an issue, we will make a migration away from it. There are market solutions to the problem. The biggest threat to humanity is government stepping in, shutting down economies, starving poor people and essentially just grabbing control over critical industries in ways that are anti-growth. Go read the book, Why Nations Fail. It's a great book that essentially explains that the economies, I mean, basically the governments that have done well have been open structures that allowed for uh, innovation, innovation and new technology. And the ones that fail are when new technologies come around. But, you know, people that like, for example, uh, one of the examples in the book is like uh, with, uh, um, uh, you know, it stuttered. They talked about people that stuttered, people that can't recall examples. No, I, I'm thinking like shirt weavers and like the spinning wheel. They had people that were making a decent living. And so they didn't want to embrace like those countries. They had protectionism. They didn't want to embrace those new technologies. And so they ended up not like growing. They ended up like the, the wealth is created when all of a sudden you can have resources in your life that like you don't you know, you don't have to go fucking make bread for yourself for an entire day because factory farming comes around. And then all of a sudden they just managed to get massive amounts of bread into every store for what's a loaf of bread, two or three dollars so that you don't have to starve to death. So you don't have to spend your entire day on a. Figuring out how to farm, you know what I mean? Like imagine if farmers when John Deere came around with their big old tractor and then the people that used to have the bulls that pulled and, and, and I guess did whatever they did with their fields said, nope, we can't have this new technology. I'm telling you, this whole ESG score thing is that. It's companies, which includes the financial sector, probably not wanting to, or big banks not wanting to compete with crypto. It includes, uh, you know, all of your green energy companies that don't want to, or whoever wants to keep nuclear out of the market. That's all it is. It's just people that want to make sure that they can, can of economic growth and all of us having more. And now here, so you've got people in the bowels of our government making important decisions that believe that we are all going to die unless we start taking global warming seriously, which really is something that we should probably vote on or something that at least like Sorry, the internet. You know, I'm flowing over here. I'm, 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 I'm putting out the details, and you guys are sitting there, and you're like, I don't want to hear about your internet problems. That's not my problem. I'm just trying to listen to a good show, figure out the internet problems. And you know what? You're right. <laughs> Let's listen to a little bit more of this. Take significant steps. Um, to address this risk, financial institutions themselves have um, voluntarily decided that they need to align. Work of net zero by 2050. 
and um, that's really in the absence of any requirement that they do so. Um, I do believe that transition risks are very real as more and more countries adopt uh, frameworks that are meaningful to address climate change, we could be we could see significant changes in asset valuations that um, pose risk to financial institutions. Yeah, there was no requirement, but there was collusion and basically a backing from certain individuals in the United States government going, hey, listen, we're all going to get on the same page here. People are never going to vote on this stuff. We have to figure out a way to make these investments profitable. And so, you know, in the past, you guys mostly bailed us out. And so this time what we're going to do is have you guys create legislation and we're going to work in tandem so that anyone who would be competing with us cannot secure funding. We're going to leverage the wealth of retirees who have actually earned their income, and we're going to use the power of other people's money to put it into non-profitable investments that are anti-growth so that we can secure our little slice of pie and make sure that our bullshit is profitable because the free market doesn't want it and it's anti-growth. There's one guy who's had a very good handle on all this. I don't know his name, because, uh, uh, but I read his book. His book was called Woke Inc. I recommend it. I've reached out to him a couple of times to get him on the show, but you know, he's a wealthy guy and he actually does real media stuff. So he ignored me, which I, I, I don't fault him. He's got, he's got bigger things than, than jamming it up with me in my, uh, in my living room. Uh, but I was joking online. I actually, uh, hit up, uh, Clint, uh, who said it wouldn't work, but I said we should create the ESG short fund. We're basically, we're just, let's start shorting. Let's, let's try and call, do like, uh, what the, what the wall street bet guys did, uh, which by the way, you know, they took down. Dude, there's a guy going to jail right now. I think it was the Arcadios, like hedge fund. Uh, but that guy who was on the other side of that short, the Wall Street bet guys took him down. And then now they looked into the guy because when you're making money and you're part of the system, everybody likes you. When you're losing money and all the big banks that gave you a ton of money, like then then the system comes after you. And all of a sudden he's he's in trouble for insider trading. And so it turns out that guy's probably profits were criminal the entire time. Uh, the banks that were giving him money, they were probably, you know, I mean, they're not like in on the criminality and that they sit there and they find out all the inside scoop that he's doing, but they just say, hey, this guy's making money. And so he's one of us. So we're going to give him money. And then he lost all the money. And then all of a sudden he's not like one of them. And you know why he lost the money? Because Wall Street bets and the power of the individual investors who were like, eh, you know what? We're going to fucking screw over these short players. And then even then the system had to step in with Robin Hood, like shutting down trading uh, to try and get the back of the big banks. Uh, so anyways, I was thinking, let, let, let's figure out all like they're long on all this bullshit. I mean, how many green energy companies that the government invested in went, 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 uh, went under? So it should be a fund that specifically tracks things that can't possibly be profitable outside of government funding. And then, you know, we short them out of existence or alternatively, we create the actually for-profit industrial fund where we 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 try and you know fundraise things that are pro-economic growth. So you want to open up a coal mine, like you, basically if you can get up there and just pure that you prove that you're a pure capitalist, you can. So I was just ranting and yelling. I wasn't even ranting and yelling. I was just tweeting about this. And then I came Free across this uh, video where uh, um, I think it's like his name's like Vivek Ramsey. I don't know. We'll find out. Why do you think that these four firms, which you think control the market effectively, all have the exact same view? Isn't that a result to some degree of what they what they must think the customer wants? You would think that if the customer didn't want this, they would be doing something else. Yeah, well, so there's two reasons why. I mean, I think one is we live in a very intermediated, non-transparent financial system where most everyday clients, the firefighters, the nurses, the doctors, the entrepreneurs, business owners, whose money is actually being invested by their intermediaries, they don't know that their money actually ends up in the hands of three asset managers that vote their shares and advocate on their behalf in ways that they disagree with. So I think the non-transparency is a big part of it. And you say the market should fix this. I agree with you. That's why I think we're bringing a market solution to bear that actually gives those consumers an added choice. Now, there's a deeper reason, and I talk about this in my book. I think some of this dates back to the 2008 financial crisis, where after the 08 crisis, there was a new demand of American capitalism in this country. Occupy Wall Street was on Wall Street's doorstep. And there were certain opportunists who spotted that moment and said, we're going to jump on that 
and build a business with this new vision of ESG-centered stakeholder capitalism. Congrats to BlackRock. They were one of those firms. They built a business over the last 10 years on the back of that philosophy. There you go. All right. And so he's creating a fund to uh, try and compete with them. Uh, and he claims that a lot of uh, the BlackRock's executives and people are looking to jump ship. That is our episode. I'm calling it there. Uh, for those of you who are frustrated by the internet blackouts while I was doing this show, yokratum.com, home of the $60 kilo. Should have probably plugged them earlier in the episode, but it's a, we plug them all the time. We're good friends. I'm going to start showing up with some uh, Yo Deltas for the live events because I have absolutely fallen in love with Delta 8 vape pens. I, I'm too much of a lightweight to be eating those gummies, but maybe you guys are. I want to do a thing. I'll give a gummy to a guy at the at the beginning of the show, and then we can check in on him at the end of the show, and he can report in on uh, if he's talking to aliens or not. I'm telling you, the gummies, they're, 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 they're too much. Even like, by the way, I actually really like if I'm getting, I, I like eating like a little sliver because it's like a different thing. It creeps up on you. I just don't have time in my life to, you know, I waste too much time to jerking off to also be wasting time to being high. It's just like you, you, you got to start kind of picking what you can afford to lose entire days with. Like I, I already overeat and stare at the floor and go, oh, I don't want to do this. I can't be high also. I can't, you know what I mean? Because the gummies, you wake up in the morning and like, you're still like, shit, I'm high. But like some of you people, you're, you're real stoners out there. That makes a lot of sense for you. For me, I like the Delta 8 vape pens because I just find that they're like, it, it's, uh, this is if you're over the age of 21. Um, but I find it's like, it's, uh, it's up, it's like, a, it's an uplifting type thing. It's not like too high. It's not too fucking like where you're getting all paranoid and shit. But like, it's like, it's, it's nice. It's light. You can drink on it. You can go out. You can have a good old time. Uh, and so, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to start showing up with, uh, with some, with some gummies and shit. I assume you can fly with that. I don't know why you couldn't. And we'll give it out at the events, uh, California. That's the next big one coming up. Childerberg the weekend afterwards go. If you're in Texas and you're not showing up to Childerberg, I'm doing a live show with Kyle. Uh, there's another comedian on there. Uh, and then we're going to be hanging out all night. And that's that. that listen, I'm not trying to pitch against my own gigs. Summer Porch Store is a great hang. Childerberg brings it to a next fucking level. Out in the woods, campfire. We're going to do a ceremony to try and rid the world of the even, evil demon Fauci creature. Hang out with the Timeline Earth guys. Uh, last year, I did a cooler inspection of Scott Horton's meat cooler to make sure that he was eating good sandwiches. He had marble rye bread. He had good mustard. I approved. I had to make sure that before you have an anti-war person out there, that that guy's eating pretty good. So I did a cooler inspection. Uh, what else is coming up? I dude, Denver's coming up. I just got to get that on the books. Atlanta, Nashville coming up, Seattle, like there, there, there's dates in the works. It's just a function of like, you know, actually doing it. The chair negotiations, chair, chair negotiations took me way longer than I had expected. And, uh, all right, that's our episode. Going to have this one out shortly. Thanks for hanging out with me. Go jerk off.